Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for, for thank you for having that. Thank you, Linda. Uh, that was okay. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, speak about three types of culture in universities. Uh, that uh, all of them I encountered as uh, a result of my practice. As you mentioned, I'm a professor of practice. <laughs> so in my practice, you encounter a paradox or a problem, and then you, you require some kind of theoretical framework to make sense of it. And so we're going to have three theoretical frameworks, which I will call culture one, culture two, and culture three, meaning concept of culture one, two, and three. Uh, so this is one thing, empirically observable paradox one, which I encountered and was really, I'm still struck by. So if you look at the universities we work with at Skolkovo, and uh, these are the top elite Russian research universities, except for uh, Moscow State University, St. Petersburg State University, because they are not really part of the Ministry of Education, they are a special kind of status, etc. So they usually don't participate in our programs. But these are good universities. Many of them, actually most of them, are participants of that five top 100 program, which was mentioned many times. So if you look at these universities, you see that they have the same legal framework. As we learned today from Maria, this legal framework is really contradictory, but still it's the same legal framework for, for all of them. They're all state universities of federal jurisdiction, because there are also some municipal universities in Russia. They have same legal norms and regulations, administrative structure is similar, although not the same, etc. Also, they have same policies evaluation criteria from the Ministry of Education and Science. So you have federal university program, you have a research university program, now you have five top 100 program. They're all part of those programs which actually you know, demand the same things from the universities. And then they have whole common history, all of them are except for high school of economics, uh, former prestigious Soviet universities of institutes. So they have this history. They all lived through the 90s, through 2000s, etc. And they also have similar budget structure, although some of them have more money coming from fees paid by the paying students, and uh, some of them have more proportion of the budget coming from paid research. Uh, but still, I mean, on, in general, they have a similar budget structure. And yet, the ways the governance work in this university are extremely different. Mm -hmm. It just, it's like these universities, when you go to the, you come to the university, you just see an institution which is so much different from the universities you saw before, as if you've traveled to, you know, to another country, at least, <laughs> right, or to another time period. That, that, that's a paradox. So why, how we can explain that? And one hypothesis is that there is some underlying organizing force. There is something beyond these norms, regulations, you know, kind of laws uh, and administrative structures that work to really make the, these institutions very different from each other. And here the concept of culture actually comes uh, to the help. This is the quote from uh, Edgar Shane. Perhaps the most intriguing aspect of culture as a concept is that it points to us to a phenomena that are below the surface, that are powerful in their impact, but invisible, and to a considerable degree unconscious. That's, of course, a seductive concept. Because if you cannot explain anything, you say, well, it's probably culture working, right? <laughs> That's what I do in this talk. I mean, I, I invoke the concept of culture every time I cannot understand what's going on. Uh, now, this is the, I think, the, okay, it's a kind of amalgam of various uh, positivist typologies of, of organizational cultures, uh, which I think are useful in, in the Russian case. So the first is a collegial culture, right? 
everybody knows what it is. You have this kind of shared power, non-hierarchical relationships, high degree of personal interaction. Uh, decisions are made through consensus, tradition is important, precedent is important, etc. Uh, so another culture is bureaucratic culture, sometimes it's called corporate culture. Again, it's clear, it's, it's sort of the opposite in a way. Formal rules, specified roles, efficiency, rationality, reduction of uncertainty and ambiguity. Then there is a political culture, and political culture is all about negotiation. Negotiation between different you know, power groups, which control different resources, and negotiate based on the resources they control uh, to promote the policies that they want to promote. So there is a political culture in the university where, you know, the whole university is this kind of bargaining kind of field. Then there is anarchical culture. Uh, that comes, of course, from organized anarchy, theory of uh, garbage can, you know, organizational theory, uh, where you, uh, you have vague and conflicting goals, transformation processes not clearly understood, fluid participation in decision-making, the same decisions are made by different people. You have people with, uh, uh, with authority who don't make decisions. You have people without authority who do make decisions, etc., etc. You have all kinds of anarchy going on. And there is a market culture. That's a culture that really external-oriented, that, you know, Things about the market, about what can be done in order to perform better externally, and uh, everything in the organization is subordinated to that goal. And you have something which I find very interesting. It's called ad hocracy culture, and that <laughs> decisions are made on ad hoc basis. Entrepreneurial behavior is very important. Boundary spanning communication, innovation is the response to environmental change. Leaders are risk takers. Of course, you can say that well, there is a similarity between these two things, right? But still, market culture is uh, is kind of more systematic, in, in a sense. It's uh, kind of productivity is different from risk. Mm -hmm. right? Necessarily, not uh, all productivity involves risk taking. I will I will explain further. I will be clear what I mean by all these uh, types. Uh, of course, uh, this typology comes from uh, these different theories of universities as organizations. Of course, you have collegial model. Uh, with the university saga, etc. You have garbage can, and that's close to anarchy. So this is a kind of plus and minus of rationality. The rationality is high here, the highest in bureaucratic culture, right? And it's lowest here. Okay, uh, so if you look at the universities that we, I personally encountered closely, and that would be about a dozen universities, which I really have first-hand experience, you know, talking to the directors, talking with, uh, for, for sometimes for like, you know, nine months, right? Every month for like a week. So it's, it's, it's really close uh, encounters. So uh, looking at these universities, I, we can actually find different examples of different organizational cultures. So the first one is collegial culture and political culture, but collegial culture dominates. Where, in what kind of university can you expect to find this kind of culture? Give me an example of university. You can give me an, I will not mention it. No, no, well, we don't know. Well, half of, half of the audience Cambridge. knows Cambridge, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the Russian case, it's an old comprehensive university. In this case, actually, university founded in the 19th century, which is pretty old for Russian province. Right? It's located in a city dominated by universities. It has weak connections to local industries. That's why it has this kind of internal world 
of collegial culture. But as it turns out, as, lo as soon as you have collegial culture, political culture also intervenes. Mm -hmm. Because you have this kind of bargaining and negotiations, of course, outwardly it's all collegial, but you, when you deep, dig into it, you find this kind of interest groups, you know, is an easy kind of relationships between this, for example, head of department who has his own, you know, uchiniki, uh, right, his own students, who are not here, and it's the other, and so they compete for, for resources, etc. What about managerial culture and market culture? Where do you find this? Where? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, so it, 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 it's probably a newer institution, but in my case, it's not a newer institution. It's also an old polytechnic university. But the important thing is it has strong connections to regional industries. It's a polytechnic, first of all, so it's naturally more connected than a comprehensive university, but then again, it's connected to uh, regional industries, but not to the city industries. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So its connection is sort of outside the immediate realm, and that's why that allows them to really be very managerial in terms of we really work for Gazprom. You know, we really oh. work. <laughs> oh, sorry, Diane. Yeah, I see you have a lot to come. Okay. All right. So the third thing is political culture. Where is that? Sussex. <laughs> uh, in my case, it's a federal university. Uh, I think Georgi mentioned that, right? Federal universities were created by combining several universities into one. So in this case, it was two strong universities, Polytechnic University and Classical University, Comprehensive University, that were com both of them good, you know, strong universities with tradition, with influence in the big city that were merged into one institution. So they have influential administrations in one university, the influential administration in the other university. They didn't want to merge. Mm -hmm. The ministry told them to. Of course, everybody were kind of happy the way they were before, but they had to merge. The result was a strong political culture. In this university, you have a rector who is uh, first among the equals. They have a kind of a round table of about 12 people who actually manage the university. Uh, who always negotiate, and they negotiate based on the resources they control, and the resources they control are former universities that were merged into these bigger ones, and also stakeholders in the city. This university is really connected with the city, the city is big enough, it has lots of stakeholders, so in a way every pro-rector, vice-rector in this university controls a sector of the university which is connected to certain stakeholders outside of the university in the city, and therefore all decisions are made when everyone's interests are somehow taken into account. So there is this kind of political uh, you know, administrative system. When you have anarchical culture, you have British examples? Yeah. <laughs> People doing what they want. Well, anywhere really in the Russell group. Well, actually, I'll, I'll take back Sussex and put it in this country. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we have here another federal university that was also created as a merger, but it wasn't a merger of two strong institutions. It was a merger of several weak institutions. And also in a city that doesn't have enough stakeholders. It's kind of a smaller city which doesn't have a lot of economy really going on. As a result of that, you have this system which is not a system at all. You have this anarchical, you know, hodgepodge, right? I don't know, but for, you know, various people, no, nobody knows who is responsible for what. They cannot make you know, decisions. They didn't spend four billion rubles because they couldn't decide how to spend it. I mean, just, this is a university which is completely unfunctional on every level because, because of its history, partially, right? But also because of the way it's kind of exists. And then they, they have an ad hocracy culture 
And yeah. Warwick again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have I have this example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at Hawkers is uh, in my case, it's a relatively young university that was uh, mostly teaching university before, even by Russian standards. It didn't do much research, almost no research before. But now it kind of became a research university. It really strives to become a research university without much tradition in terms of research. They have support from the local governor. They have money coming from the local governor who really wants the city to have a research university. And they have a very young administrative team. The rector is 37 years old, right? And for Russia, it's like, you know, him. <laughs> he's from the kindergarten, right? <laughs> And his team is even younger, except for three people, I think, and it's on the team. Uh, so these people really don't know how university works, <laughs> because they are not from a big university with traditions, mm -hmm. but they really want to create it, right? And so they make ad hoc decisions. They kind of cross the disciplinary boundaries. They are going to organize there, I'm going to organize there, uh, a symposium on, so, so on the landscape of social sciences and the humanities in the end of May. We are going to... Uh, uh, we are going to kind of plan a school of humanities and social sciences from scratch. Mm -hmm. So they say that, well, we, we know we don't have anything good. We can actually fire everybody. We don't care. We have money to invite people, at least from other Russian cities. Uh, but we want to find what disciplines we have to develop in these schools and how they're going to work together. And so they're free to kind of bring experts from various fields together, you know, to discuss that, to put a plan and implement it. That's what I call that hopper. So this is a kind of a very, that's a unique case, I think, in Russia. That's very seldom that you have both the kind of administrative will, you have the lack of this history, which is a burden, and you have financial resources, not only from federal government, which is always limited, but also from local government. Okay, so the question is, which of these uh, administrative cultures are conductive to transformation? When I, when I say transformation, I mean, this is what we do in our uh, integrated programs, uh, where Linda actually spoke in one of them, and in uh, our strategy sessions. So w w this is the, our mo most famous, uh, not famous, but <laughs> the scheme that we actually show to everyone. So we say, but with the university now, if you don't do anything, it kind of develops like that. This is a kind of natural future. And that natural future is downward movement, not because it becomes worse, it should become a little bit better, but because the whole system moves. Right. If you speak about rankings, if in order to stay in the same place as the rankings, you need to increase productivity all the time. Otherwise, you go down because actually others uh, in, increase, etc. So what you do, you, what you have to do, you have to forget about university now. Go to this ideal space of project work, and from there to design the future university without actually thinking of what you have now. And after that, after you have this goal model, you actually. <laughs> have this transformative development and here you outline the plan of what you actually have to do with this university today in order to get there. That actually comes from Russell Akov, uh, who has this book with his co-authors called Idealized Design. He did that with corporations, including Bell Corporation. Uh, we sort of try to do that with universities. That uh, the book is pretty old, I think. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not, it's not the only source. I mean, there are several sources mm -hmm. for this kind of type of uh, project work. Uh, so, Looking at this uh, list, which of these cultures do you think are good in terms of they are susceptible to transformation? They can actually reinvent the institutions, and which cultures are detrimental to reinvention? What do you think? Yeah, right. Which would be the least? The least capable of transforming itself. Well, actually, the first one is, I would say, 
yeah. amongst the most difficult to change, yeah. but it's also associated with highly successful universities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. It probably needs to change these. Yeah. So actually, I have a little bit different experience. So in my experience, the worst thing is political culture. Because if you have balance of interests, whatever change you want to implement, it actually runs across one of these team of kind of, you know, governors, uh, you know, interests, and that's it. No, nothing happens. And, and we, we've been working with these guys. We, we spent like two years. They, they know everything. They speak very well. They can get a, a nice presentation, all answering the, the questions in a kind of survey. They will give you an excellent